invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. But in Galatians, but in Galatians 3.24, it talks about Stephanie Dorrington. No, no, not in particular, but she's a teacher. Or she was until she retired to go to all kinds of nice restaurants with Paul and post them on Facebook. <laughs> but anyway, but, but Galatians 3.24 says the law was a schoolmaster or a school teacher to bring you to Christ. So what that means is you look at the Ten Commandments and say, wow, I can't do that. That's a revelation to some. I know most of you have been keeping all ten without a problem. Wow, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church today. The law was the schoolmaster because you look at the Bible, you look at the Word of God. I remember the first time I read 1 John, I said, wow, I can't do that. And that was revelation. You can't do that. But you can. The born-again man can, the flesh man can't. So then when you get over to Galatians chapter 4, it starts talking about Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael was born first from Hagar. You, your flesh was born first from your natural mom and dad. And so that's, that's what, when you read, you read through the word and it keeps telling you over and over again, the elder shall serve the younger. It's really talking about your flesh is to serve your spirit man. Your flesh is to serve your born again man. So that's what he's talking about. So Ishmael was born first and then Isaac, but Isaac was the child of promise, right? So then when you get down to verse 27 of Galatians 4, it says, for it is written, this is how, this is how your born-again man operates. Your flesh man operates on what you can feel, what you can see, taste, touch, smell. But your, that's your Ishmael man. But your spirit man is Ephesians 2.6, seated in heavenly places in Christ. Your spirit man, which is supposed to have ascendancy, your spirit man is where you want your tongue hooked up. You don't want your tongue hooked up to your past. We believe and we speak that revelation in 2 Corinthians 4.13. It's whatever you believe is what you speak. That's, that's the deal. Because what you, what's in your heart in abundance comes out of your mouth. That's why we're changing what's in our hearts in abundance to the Word of God so that nothing but the truth, not the facts, the truth. The fact is, maybe the fact is today that you're broke. But the truth is, He supplies all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So if you'll speak the truth, the truth will change the fact. That's what he said in 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 18. He said the things that we look at are temporal, subject to change. Subject to change by your spirit, man, because God made you a speaking spirit, and he came to restore you back to glory. Back to glory, like when Adam controlled the whole garden with the words of his mouth. Like, I understand you can chase a rabbit out of a garden, but you might have a problem with an angry lion. So how did he do that? He had ascendancy, and he knew it, and so he used his faith to command everything that was, was there to be in subjection to him. Now, we have fallen, all have sinned and fallen, so now you get back, and, and now you renew your mind by the Word of God so that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. Now you're proving the Word. You're working the Word every day. 
You know, every day, and, and just because it doesn't seem like it's working, if it doesn't seem like it's working, that ought to tell you right away, I'm operating in my flesh. I'm waiting to see with my natural eye instead of my eye of faith. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I used to tell our kids it was your belly button. The eyes of understanding, so they walk around with their shirt open, hey, I'm checking things out here. No, they didn't. <laughs> you have another set of eyes. The eyes of your spirit. So here in verse 27, he says, it is written. Well, if it was written, it was written to be spoken. So when I find it written, I know that I need to speak this. I need to rejoice. Why? When, I, when, every, when I've got everything? No, it says you barren one. Again, that's, that's Haggai chapter 3 or Habakkuk chapter 3. He said, I got no cows in the stall. I got no fruit on the vine. I got nothing. But he said, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. And, and he'll cause me to ride upon my high places. See, it's so you, you need to talk yourself to life. Lots of people talking themselves to death. And you can do that too. Talk yourself to life. So he said, he says here, rejoice, O barren one that did not bear. Break forth. Come on, break forth and cry aloud. This is what, something that you do by faith. Come on, it's easy to praise the Lord when everything is going well. But we're, I want to remind you, we're not like the NFL. You will not get punished for excessive celebration. Guy just got fined in the NFL the other day for dancing on the logo of the opposing team. You're allowed to dance on the logo of the opposing team. My Bible says in Romans 16, 22, that the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet. So don't be talking to him face to face when he's supposed to be under your feet. Under your feet's where he belongs. That's where snakes go, right? Amen. Break forth with, break forth and cry aloud. Because it's not a work of the flesh, you didn't travail. The, it says, for the, for the desolate have many more children than those of the married wife or the husband, husband, however it's translated right here. What he's saying is that you can produce a whole lot more by faith than anybody can do in the natural. And so, but how you do it is you rejoice, not after you got it. Not after you're on the other side of the Red Sea, when you're standing right up against it, when it looks like there's no way. Come on, that's when God shows up. When you're in the fire, look for the fourth man. You know, look for your deliverer. Hallelujah. I mean, this year, this year, you know, when we're one, we can, we'll, be, we'll be one. One, O-N-E, W-O-N, one. You, 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 can, you, can, you can have a great victory this year. Things are shifting and things are changing. Some things are going to get worse. Some things are going to get better, that's for sure. The globalists aren't just going to lay down and die. You know, it's like you look at North Korea and think they're gone away. No, probably not. You know, there's going to be tension. But my Bible says that his glory will cover the earth even as the waters cover the sea. So I'm going to focus on, again, what gets your attention? Don't let the news media get your attention. They are the prophets of Baal, I'm telling you. You cannot believe a word they say. Everything is dramatic. 
I mean, you can't even look at a weather report now and it's not dramatic. I mean, everything is just crazy. They're telling you one millimeter of snow on my little weather app, and it shows us stacked this deep. And I'm thinking, what is all that? Weather warning, a big red banner coming across your phone, and you look at it and say, what? What are you talking about? This is Nova Scotia in January. Yeah. Weather warning? I know what month we're in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Crazy stuff. Anyway, the result of you walking by faith is you'll have more than you could ever produce in the flesh. It's kind of like I heard Mark Hankins say this one day. He said, I, I can gain more by sowing than I can by saving. You know, and that's contrary to your natural mind. You know, your natural mind says, get what you can, can what you get, and sit on the can, right? But God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, will man give into your bosom. But the natural man gets what he can. I just got a savings account. I just started putting some money. Well, it's not wrong to do that. But I have had this experience. I just get a bunch saved up and go up and say, okay, now I want you to give it to so-and-so. Right? But it's never, ever failed. Hallelujah. It never fails. Anyway, let's go to this original scripture over in, in uh, Isaiah 54. Where he's quoting, where Paul's quoting from. Everything that Paul wrote, he got out of the Old Testament. So that's why you can't throw it away. Say it's not relevant for today. Yeah, the revelation of it came through Paul, but the truth is there anyway. Right? And I really have got this one so marked up. I need my new spectacles. Thank you. Sing, O barren, that did not bear. Break forth with singing and cry aloud that did not travail with child, because I've ceased from my own works and I've entered into his rest. Doesn't say that, but that's basically what he's talking about here. He said, he said, for the children of the desolate are more than those of the married wife, says the Lord. Verse 2. And again, when you read this, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Before the flood, Noah built the ark. If you really believe in God and you're praying for rain, go out with an umbrella. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Spare not. He, he's telling you, faith people are believing big. Believe so big it scares you. If, if your believing doesn't scare you, you're not believing in God. Make your dreams so big, be like Joseph. Just don't tell people your dreams or you get thrown in a hole. But, but, <laughs> but his dreams were huge, huge. And I tell you right now, I've experienced this too. When you tell people your dreams, they will throw you in a hole. <laughs> so some people you can share your faith with and some people you cannot. Some people you can show your latest revelation to, and other people just look at you funny. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you shall break out on the... This, you, you want to break through? 
No, claim this this year. Don't get to the end of the year and say nothing happened for me. No, re you rejoice that it's happening right now. You're not waiting for it to see it happen. You're, you're, you're causing it to happen. Hallelujah. Your breakthrough, you have a breakthrough on the right hand, breakthrough on the left hand. Your seed, your children will inherit the Gentiles. That's the goyim, the nations. They'll make desolate cities be inhabited. They become evangelistic. There fear not. There's no fear. There's no shame. For you shall not be ashamed, you will, you, and nor confounded. Look at this, or put to shame. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember the reproach of your widowhood no more. No more. I was thinking, you know, like in, when it says in that song, Not an Orphan, my father died when I was six and my mother died was when I was 10 and I was an orphan. But, but what I have found out through the Lord Jesus Christ, when he talked about his father, I have found the perfect father. I found a father that will never let me down, never leave me, never fail me, never forsake me. Hallelujah. When I need a mother's hug, I can get it from God too. It's all there. Hallelujah. So it's not what they did to me. It's what Jesus did for me that matters. Hallelujah. And so you change your attitude. And then you go, you can go back, you know, you can go back in time in your, with God and, and see your parents and wonder why they, why they were like they were. They were broken. My father, when he came home from the Second World, they, they called it uh, shell-shocked. Now they call it post-traumatic stress. But lots of them came home from that war in that condition. They didn't know what to do for it, so they opened legions. and gave them cheap booze. Because that was the only way that they could cope with the things that they were dealing with, you see. Because if you don't have God, when you get God... So I can, I can look back and under, I, I can understand why my dad was like he was, why my mom was like she was, like... They came through some horrendous things there. And I, I used to be mad at my dad. I didn't know why, but I mean, probably because I was six and he left me. But I can look back now and I, you know, it's just, just a broken man that used to play the guitar and sing on Sundays. Now he looks down and sees Joey doing it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but he would have boats of that, and then he'd have boats where he would just be on a rampage drunk, you know. So, so but, but the, the goodness of God. But the point is, that's not where I identify my identification. I don't identify with my earthly parents. They were Hagar. They were natural parents. I, I, I've, got, I've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit now. And so I relate to them. That's where I, I make my relations, and so that I can so that I can live a proper life. Let me read for you, all of you. <laughs> Everybody here loves the Passion Translation. I don't know if it's quoted everywhere the way it is here, but it's the most quoted uh, quoted book in this church. I'm not making fun of it. You think I'm making fun of it? I only make fun of the Amplified because it's a woman's Bible because it's got more words. Okay, verse, uh, chapter 54 and verse 1. Rejoice with singing, you barren one. You who have never given birth, burst into a song of joy and shout. You who have never been in labor, for the deserted wife will have more children than the married one, says Yahweh. 
increase is coming. So large, so enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the, the, make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. Your sons and daughters will conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Do not fear, for you'll shame no more. Don't be embarrassed, for you will not be disgraced. You will forget the inadequacy of your felt that you felt in your youth, and you'll no longer remember the shame of your widowhood. See, these are things that, these are not requests, by the way. When God says things, that they're commandments. He's telling you what you need to do. Again, it's not a suggestion. He's saying this is what you need to do with your life. You need to expect me to be big and mighty, and you need to forget the shame of your youth. And you don't. Re if you, how many times we've counseled years ago, and somebody come in and say, "Well, I'm divorced." Well, how long ago did it happen? Ten years. Well, then you're not divorced. That was an event that happened ten years ago. You can't be dragging that with you wherever you go. Well, I'm divorced. Get over. I don't like to say get over it like I used to because I found out sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes you have to put a lot of word in. Sometimes you have to show up in church wearing a Buffalo Bills shirt. Because <laughs> they were more than conquerors last night. <laughs> <laughs> they were barren for 26 years. Last night they won their first playoff game. <laughs> and so there's James <laughs> sitting right there with his T-shirt on. Right on, buddy. Amen to that. Hallelujah. That's good. I like that. How, can we read verse 9 before we move on? He said, For this is like the waters of Noah unto me. I have sworn in my wrath, I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no longer go over the earth. I've also promised you that I'll never be angry with you. Oh, God's so disappointed in me. Are you kidding? You think you surprised him with that knucklehead move you made? <laughs> he loved you. Come on. Come on. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have right standing with God our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8, while you were yet a sinner, I died for you. The worst day that Ken Matheson ever lived, God died for him. Jesus died, paid the price for him so that he could say in verse 9, and now much more, that you've been justified because you look better, because Don's dressing you up nicer. It doesn't say that, does it? It says that you've been justified by his blood. So it's got nothing to do with you. The only thing it's got to do with you is receiving it by faith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he said, I have sworn. I have sworn that I won't be wroth with you or rebuke you. Mm. Hallelujah. That's excellent. That means I can... Give up all hope in keeping the law. And when I do something wrong, I don't need to expect a penalty. Oh, yeah. I know why that happened, because I did the such and such. No. It, it, you know, it rains on everybody. He's, he's telling you that you, you, when you feel conviction, you'll go to 1 John 1, 9, and you'll repent. 
And, and then you'll ask him to help you to get past the thing you're dealing with. But you don't never, ever, ever feel shame. Ever in your life feel shame anymore. He said that. He said you're not to feel shame. You feel conviction. That's good. Shame is so, so destructive. It's like inferiority. It'll destroy you. It's the worst disease on earth. Amen to that. <laughs> but now let's, be, let's look down in verse. Um, oh, I like verse 13 because I prayed over my kids all the time. All of my children shall be taught by the Lord, and great is their peace and their undisturbed composure. Verse 14, when you decide to be this, I wish you had wrote that in. In righteousness you shall be established, and you will be when you decide to be. You have to decide, you have to make a decision that he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for me. And I, when, I, when he knew no sin, that I'd be made the righteousness of God in Christ, even though I never did anything right. So when I'm established in righteousness, it says that I'm far from oppression. Oppression, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some Hebrew words here this morning because I want to take my time with it a little, this a little bit. He said, you'll be far from oppression. When will I be far from oppression? When I recognize that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Then I can ignore those things because I got Romans 8.28 working for me. All these things that are coming against me are working for my good. The things that are coming against me are my employees. Hallelujah. <laughs> They're working for me. They're working for me. Bad circumstances are working for me. Joseph didn't realize that. He said, he, he said in Psalm 105, he said, until his word from the Lord came, the word tested him. And it says that he was in shackles of iron and they hurt his ankles and they hurt his, but he kept hanging in there because, because he had a dream. He had a promise from God that he did not let go of over 13 years. I don't know how long you've been believing. It was 13 years with him and his circumstances got worse. His circumstances kept getting worse. And, but even when he was thrown in jail, the Bible says that he's, because he had a servant heart. Yeah, yeah, he was going to be the second in command over all of Egypt. But God chose him. When God chose him, God saw something in him that nobody else saw. He saw that this guy, this guy, even if he's in, he threw, they threw him in jail and he became the servant of everybody in jail. He never stopped serving no matter what. He got in Potiphar's house and he did such a good job that Potiphar put him in charge of everything. You know, and what an attitude, though, when you think about the attitude of some folks. I'm not going to do anything because things are going my way. No, no, you make the best of every situation. Make the best of it and, and expect that God's deliverance is working. He sat in that jail for two years. Two years. And then even when they called him, when, when Pharaoh called him and said, Bring Joseph to me. Bring this, the interpreter of dreams to me. Bring him to me. Uh, Joseph, they came to get Joseph. And he said, no, 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 no. You're not taking me away right now. I'm going to have a shave and get cleaned up. And I'm going to have a shower and, and be, before I go. And so it's kind of like, like Paul the Apostle when he was in jail in Acts chapter 16. They came to get him out. And he said, no, no, I'm not leaving. No, no, those guys threw me in here. You tell them they get down here. Because there's a peace. There's that learned contentment. God is for me. 
Contentment with godliness is great gain because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we can boldly say, God is on my side. I will not fear what a man can do unto me. Hallelujah. Come on, it makes you bold. Makes you bold. Believing makes you bold. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about assurance. You know your Redeemer lives. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives, and in my flesh I'll see him on the earth in the last day. That was a guy whose wife told him, deny the Lord and die. <laughs> Come on, he, he had a lot of things going against him, but his wife was the worst one of all. <laughs> Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just get out of my, get out of my face, you, you boil-stricken disease, you? <laughs> <laughs> you look awful, Job. Look at all those boils and stuff. I don't know what he looked like, but he was trying to scrape them off with a, with a rock or something. She probably didn't want to go to bed with him. I, I get that, but she didn't have time to go curse God and die. <laughs> Keep those sores on your side of the bed. I am far from oppression. Oppression is O-S-H-E-K, O-S-H-E-K. And it means to spoil, steal, take away your goods and your property without permission. But none of these things, oppression doesn't work without fear. You've got to have fear as a foundation for the devil to do anything to you. So he said, far from oppression, thou shalt not fear, and that's the word yare, and we've looked at that uh, in several places, knowing that in one place it'll say, you know, fear of God. And we understand that that's fear without being afraid. But then there's this other fear. It's the fear. It's like, it's that fear like faith, only it's fear of death. Matter of fact, you know, the Bible, that's what Hebrews chapter 2 will tell you, that, that death is the real thing that everybody's afraid of. And the funny part about that is, you're all going to die. <laughs> no, the whole world's out there. You know, the funniest one is my, my outlaw friend, Reed Saunders. Now, we did drugs together for years. Matter of fact, back in the 70s, we spent over $100,000 a piece on stuff. You know, so, you know, what would that be today? I don't know. But I remember one time he fell down an entire flight of stairs at a bar and got up and blamed his cowboy boots. <laughs> Yeah, see him going yet, but he didn't spill his beer. The beer was still in the glass, man. I, was just, that, I don't know. But anyway, we, hadn't, we, we run into one another now and then. Um, he knows I'm a pastor now, and that's kind of weird for him uh, because he's still, you know, back there. But anyway, we ran into them at the Sobeys, uh, Sobeys right up here one day a few weeks ago. And... Uh, no, this is a guy. We, I can't even tell you some of the crazy stuff we did. Well, I can tell you one crazy thing he did, him and, him and another friend of mine. <laughs> him and another friend of mine, they wanted to go on a canoe trip one day. So they went out, out uh, the um, Lucasville Road and decided they were going to get in the river that goes down behind the mill down there. And so they were on this big adventure and Reed hit a handgun and Stuff up in the back, like, you know, when you're doing drugs, you're afraid of everything all the time anyway. But anyway, they got in the canoe, Bob Haley and him, 
Bob can't swim and read hardly ever. And so they got in the canoe, not realizing that as soon as you come down under the bridge, there's a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened to them. And Bob Haley was so scared he can't swim, but he crawled on his hands and knees over all those broken rocks, crawled to shore underwater. <laughs> Just going, made it to shore. And then the RCMP came and found Reed's handgun in the in the boot of the canoe, and like they all get, they get arrested and everything. So but I'm just telling you that, that that's, one, that's one day in the life of some of these guys, right? Just a glimpse. Of, not a, anyway, we met them a couple of weeks ago over at Sobeys. I saw them, him and his wife. So I whipped around in the parking lot, jumped out of the car, and Nancy was in Sobeys. So I came running over all excited, you know, hey, they had the mask on and they, they backed up, six feet, keep your feet six feet away. I went up and grabbed them by the arm, and I said, are you kidding me? You should have been dead when you were 30 years old, and now you're, now you're afraid of COVID? Are you kidding me? Every drug that you could name. Bob Haley worked at the Nova Scotia Hospital, and this was, this was back in the day. He would experiment. He'd keep the drugs that they were giving patients and bring them home and take them himself. So, no, no, but these are kind of animal things that we, you know. And so now he's afraid of COVID. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, that's what fear will do. But it's fear of death. And I can promise you he's going to die. Life is a temporary situation. Eternal life is forever, I understand that, but your, your life here on this earth, like fear of death, is ridiculous. Say ridiculous, okay. So, so, but really, fear is faith in death, right? Faith trusts God, fear trusts the media. People actually believe the news. No, they, they believe. They're believers. And all of that. Anyway, so, but you're not, right? So far from fear. And then it says, and from terror. Terror is planned and organized. Terror is simply planned, organized use of fear. And terror is used, come on, to terrify its victims, to paralyze them, to make them helpless, helpless to resist opposition or oppression. Terror ha but again, terror has to have fear or oppression in place in order for it to work, or else it's devoid of power. If fear is not there, there is no terror. None. None. Now let's go over to chapter 59. And again, that we may boldly say, God is on my side. I will. See, notice how your will is in there. I will not fear. You have to exercise your will. I will not fear. What am I going to do if I'm still afraid? Go find the scriptures like, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. Go find the verse that, thanks be to God who always gives us a victory. Go find a verse that says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstances. Go find a verse that says, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Go find, the, again, go back to Hebrews 13, I will never leave you. 
I will never leave you. I will never, never, say never, never fail you. Well, it looks like it right now. That's because you're looking with your Ishmael eyes instead of your Isaac eyes. You're looking from the flesh. You're a spirit. You have a a soul and you live in a body. Paul made that very clear in Thessalonians chapter 5. He said that God would sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy spirit, soul, and body. That you can actually be sanctified spirit, soul, and body. Hebrews chapter 5 says you can even have your senses exercised to both discern good and evil. You can train yourself. Come on, the devil trained you for years. It's time for some retraining. Sign up for some retraining exercises. Come on, sign up. When you sense fear or terror or oppression coming, saying, hey, no, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm established in righteousness. Therefore, I am far from fear, far from terror, far from oppression. We need to read the rest of chapter 54 before we move on. Mm -hmm. We do. We left out some good stuff. Verse 14 again. In righteousness you shall be established. You're far from oppression, far from fear, far from terror. When you decide to be, you will be. Behold, they'll gather together. Yeah, they're out there. But, but they'll gather, when they gather together against you because you reign in righteousness, they will fall for your sake. He said, behold, I made the, cre- the created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. Basically, what he's saying is I made the devil. He's nothing but a created being. He, he's making instruments that will come to destroy you. But listen to verse 17. But no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every single tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall be condemned for your sake. This is your heritage. We could say it this way. This is your blood-bought right in Christ. You know, Isaiah said it another way, too. He said, all that rage against you shall be ashamed. Those that oppose you will perish. They'll be like nothing, a zero, a thing of naught. And he said, I'll make you into a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth, and you'll thresh the mountains and beat them small. Turn the hills to chaff, and the wind will blow on them, and the whirlwind will scatter them, and you'll rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Those are promises that you hang on to, man. Hang on to those. Hang on to those when things are shaken. Hallelujah. Now 59. 59 verse. um, Verse. uh, That's also good. Well, how about verse 17? 59, 17. He said, for you'll put on righteousness like a bright breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon your head and garments of vengeance for clothing. And you'll be clad with zeal as a cloak. This is not Roman armor that he's talking about, like in Ephesians chapter 6, he's saying, verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord God from the west and from the east, from the rising of the sun. For when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him and the redeemer shall come from Zion unto them that turn from transgression, says the Lord. As for me, I made my covenant with them. My spirit is upon them. My words I put in their mouth. They shall not depart from out of your mouth, nor the mouth of your seed, nor the mouth of your seed. Seed, says the Lord, from henceforth. And then to roll right into the next chapter, arise and shine. In other words, rise up in, one translation says, rise up in splendor. 
arise and shine. He, 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 he quotes this in Ephesians 5.14, if you're wondering if it's new covenant. Yeah, he said, wake up and arise from among the dead and Christ will give you life. It's the same thing. Rise and shine. Because the thief likes dogs that don't bark, alarms that are disconnected, witnesses that don't testify, people that are scared, watchmen that don't bother praying. And he's saying, this, this is you now. How do you know that this is now? Well, we're going to prove it. Rise right now, today, January the 17th, make a decision that you're going to shine for God. He's saying, he's saying rise up in splendor and become powerful. Become powerful and arrive on the scene. Arrive on the scene. It's your, it's your time. It's your time. So don't be inferior. Don't be afraid. Step out and be bold. Some people won't like you. Well, they don't like you now anyway, so what's the difference? You waiting for everybody to like you? Don't get in the ministry of any kind. Sort. I said, I remember when I was talking to God here a while back, and I said, God, I've been a pastor for 28 years, and I know where all the bodies are buried. And I said, I've never gotten to tell my side of the story. <laughs> and we're not going to now either, but I'm saying, but if I did. How many of you know there's more than one side to a story? How many of you know you can't judge somebody by an excerpt from a conversation? How many of you know that there's a bigger conversation going on all the time? How many of you know? I had one guy, I remember one time, he sat and accused me of so much stuff, and I said, if I had spoken what I know, one of your family members would be in jail. Anyways, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Okay. No, it's time to become powerful and arrive on the scene without any inferiority. Don't think of yourself as second anything. Realize that you could have been born 100 years ago and you wouldn't be required to know very much about the Bible because they didn't. They could fill with the Holy Ghost and stuff, and, but, but not, not like today. Today is the final scene. No, today is the, 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 you know, the final act. You know why they called it the book of Acts? Because the disciples acted. <laughs> wasn't the book of thoughts, the book of wait and see what happens. It was the book of Acts. It's time for you to act. You're not inferior. You're not second best. You were born into the kingdom for just this time. Well, I'm too old. Well, Moses was 80 before God even got him going. See, you, you, there's no excuse. You're too young. Well, Haggai and Zechariah were 16, 17 years old when they went down to Jerusalem to get the temple rebuilt. I mean, you know, God said, Jeremiah, don't let them despise your youth. What does that tell you? So there's, what I'm saying is, how about, you know, Caleb and, and, uh, Caleb and uh, Joshua? They were 40 when they first entered into the promised land. And they hung around for another 45 years before they saw the promises fulfilled. But the thing is, they were active. The thing is, they were still pursuing the dream. Okay, so we're good with that? Okay, we're good with that. We're good with that, okay. <laughs> no, the stage is set for your appearance to bring the good news of God's creation. The stage is set. It's like you've been rehearsing. Some of you have been rehearsing for years out of sight, and yet my Bible says in Psalm 102 that he's about to feature you. He's about to favor you. The marquee's going to have your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring people to you. How do you know that? He said, there's a darkness that covers the earth and a gross darkness upon the people. And you're going, oh, God, it's so dark out there. Oh, Lord, just rapture me and take me home. No, no, no. But God's saying, but, but the Lord shall arise upon you. Yeah, there's a gross darkness upon the people. But when there's a gross darkness, the light really gets bold. The stage is set for your appearance to bring God's, God's good news. Come on, it's, it's now. So he said, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. There's something that's going to be visible, seen, seen glory. Maybe your face will shine. Maybe just the, the, the heavy, weighty presence of God will be so strong upon you like it was with Smith Wigglesworth. Like I told you about him the other week, last Thursday, the guy raised 23 people from the dead. And you're all still practicing your first one. I understand that. But the thing is, he was a plumber. In, well, yeah, but he was a plumber back when plumbing was just coming into houses, so it was a lucrative business. But he was like almost 50 years old before he started in the ministry, and he preached five continents, raised the dead, healed the sick, all of that. Why did God raise him up? To show you the potential that's in you. Stop looking at you and look at him in you. Stop comparing yourself to other people. The Bible tells you not to do that at all. And recognize, I'm Holy Ghost. You know, John G. Lake used to look in the mirror and point in the mirror and say, God lives in these clothes. And he got so to the point where he, you know, lots of people he prayed for died at first. What do you do when it happens? Next. You know, you just keep going. But he got to the place where people were lined up outside of his door in the morning when he woke up. Was he famous? He's a Canadian. How, can, how famous can you get as a Canadian? If you're not a hockey player, you just have a whole lot going for you, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, the potential in this room. Oh, no, they've come here. They've, th- those that have turned the world upside down have shown up here. Who were they? They called them ignorant, non-learned men. <laughs> That's what they said about Peter and John, ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They saw something, and they called them Christians first in Antioch. Why? Because they were acting like Jesus. <laughs> no, they were, come on, this is what he's talking about in Ephesians 5.1. Be a follower of Christ. It's to mimic, it's to mine. Begin to act like Jesus. People say, who do you think you are? Tell them. Say, I'm glad you asked. Come sit down with me and I'll tell you who I am in the Word of God. Hallelujah. No, it's time. This is, this is the time now. You've got to get past how you felt about yourself, how you saw yourself, what you did. You never know what I've done. I'm so glad that Peter, when he preached, you know, there's 120 people in the upper room, 119 other people could have preached. Why Peter? He just denied the Lord three times. He didn't get up and say, well, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I'm Peter, and yeah, yeah, I'm the guy. I haven't really got a lot to say right now because I'm still embarrassed about what I did 40 days ago. No, he didn't. He said, hey, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. He said, you need to repent. Come on. (laughs) No, you you have a good forgetter. 
Paul said, I forget those things that are behind. Have a good forgetter. Yesterday's a canceled check. It's over. It's done. Let it all go. That's why he said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his method of operation. And all of these things will be added unto you. Don't even seek stuff. The rich man, young ruler sought stuff. He had so much stuff he couldn't get rid of his. He had Metro self-storage looking after his stuff. And God was offering him. Jesus was saying, come and be my disciple. What? And you went away sorrowful because you had too much stuff? And people think, that, how, how sad. People do it every day. I can't go to church. I got another job to do. I can't. You can do. You can find time for whatever you want to. My Bible says in Hebrews 10 and verse 25, don't forsake yourselves of the assembling together as some do, but even more as you tell, see the end approaching. This is not a, a day to back away from church. This is a day to go when you don't feel like it. What's submission? Go when you don't feel like it. <laughs> Especially doing what, what you don't want to do because God asked you to. Oh, yeah, okay, let's, let's get back here before Hallelujah. No, no, but we've gotten accustomed to over the years, over the last 20-some-odd years. I remember after 9-11, after, 9-11 uh, happened on a Tuesday. I know that because our services used to be on Wednesday. Wednesday night, the church was packed. All of a sudden, people found time. How would you like to have God find time for you? Maybe he doesn't want to show up at your house. I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a time right now. No, my Bible says the God of Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Never slumbers or sleeps. No, it's, it's time. And like, okay, okay, um, I don't need to come to church on a Sunday because I already know the word of God. Well, what if, what if you do? What if somebody else is sitting there that really needs a hug? Well, somebody else is there that just needs a word of encouragement. What if it's not all about you? Right. <laughs> oh, he's getting saucy now. Okay, we better get back here. And the Gentiles shall come to your light. Whose light? The Gentiles. And again, it's Goyim, it's nations. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings, influential people, will come to the brightness of your rising. Where did the rising start? Back in verse 1, where he said, rise up, get up, begin to move, become powerful, arrive on the scene. The stage is set for your appearance. Bring the good news of God's creation to people. Nations will walk by your light. Lift up your eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together, they shall come unto you. Your sons, oh yeah, your sons from afar, your daughters shall be nursed at your side. You shall see. What about all those unsaved loved ones? Just let's read this again then. They're coming. They're gathering themselves together. They're coming. You shall see and flow together and your heart will reverence and be enlarged because the abundance of the nations, the sea represents the nations. 
because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you and the forces, that's financial resources of the Gentiles shall come unto you. There will be a financial inversion. It could happen for you this year if you want it to. You know, you know, again, he said in Deuteronomy 8, 18, he said, I want to give you power to get wealth to establish my covenant in the earth. You're not going to get people saved without money. Sad to say, but it's true. The more money you got, the more influence you have, the more you can do as a church. That's why the devil likes small churches. That's why it's always divide and conquer. That's why a church starts to grow. We've gotten up to 200, 250, and then all of a sudden, they're gone, you know, 40, 50 are gone or whatever. It happens because there's power in the numbers. There's power in that anointing. There's power, not only the human, but the financial resources are there. And so you got a whole bunch of splintered churches all over the city that have no power whatsoever, political power. The power that you could have if you could just stay put when you get offended. <laughs> I don't care where you go. Somebody's going to offend you. Sooner or later, <laughs> you're, going to get, you're going to get an opportunity to be offended. Don't take it. Because offense means to me, you're off and it's ended. Offended. You've been believing God for something, now you're off and it's ended. It's done. It's just done until you get right. So why have 100 churches in the city when you could have a few powerful ones? Right? It's not about who's standing in the pulpit. It's what's going on in the church. You know, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It releases the anointing oil. He said it's like the, the, the dew on Mount Hermon. That's a whole other teaching that we could do. And then he said, the anointing run down over Aaron's beard and pulled out on the floor. He's talking about the priest getting so much anointing that it floods over the whole congregation. Just because of unity. And again, it's not union, it's unity. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.